Hey, Pod Nazians. Welcome to the Mini PC Show, episode 104. Uh, we go live each and every Wednesday night about 9 o'clock, sometimes a little bit later. If you want to know when we're going live, you can go to the show notes and you can see all the places we can be followed. Uh, this show is completely ad-free thanks to our Patreon supporters. Uh, if you want to hear this show in uh, in all of its ad-free gloriousness, you go to patreon.com slash the mini PC show or just go to the, the links in the notes. Uh, tonight's episode is brought to you by our newest Patreon, Russell W. Thank you very much for your patronage. Uh, and uh, speaking about patronage, how's everything going there, good, Rich? Good, I had a success after a long string of failure, which I didn't talk to you about beforehand, but I'd like to detail and give you the, the trials and tribulations that I went through. Very cool. Is that my opening to yak away? Sure, yeah. Okay, so um, I've been running Home Automation Assistant for a number of years, and I actually was running two Raspberry Pis with Home Automation Assistant, one with Haspian, and apparently which has been deprecated, and the other is Hasio, which basically runs in a Docker container. So finally there were enough holes in my SD card that my Haspian died. I was like, all right, I'll just do a refresh, blah, 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 or actually... Initially, my first thought was, I'll find the image that I saved, which I didn't, and reflash it, which I couldn't. So then I bought a uh, Sonoff RF bridge. And basically, it's a, like slightly bigger than a box of Tic Tacs, and it's got a mini USB port on it. And it has an, from the store, you can run an app on your phone, which allows you to push a button. It can learn RF signals. So it's a 433 megahertz uh, transmit and receive device. So any 433 megahertz outlets or whatever it may be that you have, you can control with it. So I had LEDs in my faux skylight, and uh, it controlled my laser jet printer. It controlled a lamp in my office. And the faux skylight goes on 30 minutes before sunset, goes off at 9 o'clock. I have a routine that turns off my laser jet 11 o'clock every night, so in case anybody leaves it on, it's not running all the time. And I have the lamp in my office go on half hour before sunset and off at 11 o'clock every night. And so I'm like, all right, let me just flash this, this thing. And I tried it with a Mac, couldn't get it going, you know, with the uh, USB programmer. And that I'm like, all right, let, let me break out my uh, MSI Wind uh, netbook. Well, it was a 64-bit program to Flash, not a 32-bit program. Then I grabbed my wife's Windows PC, and, you know, you have to run it as administrator, blah, 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 so you have access to the hardware, and I couldn't get that to run. So I'm like, F this, I know how to do this. I grabbed a Raspberry Pi 3. And, you know, downloaded a current copy of Raspbian, followed some instructions from a video I made a while back on how to program uh, Tasmoto devices with a Raspberry Pi. And, boom, flashed the damn thing and got it running and then got it talking to my home assistant through MQTT. And, you know, I guess if I started out in the morning, it'd be dark already, so it would have been time to go to bed. So, I, you ever you ever have one of those days where you think you're going to do a ten minute project, and it's when you get up in the morning, and then it's dark by the time you're done. Well, I mean, almost anything with mini computers, it almost never goes as quick as you would like it to. I'll say. 
Yeah, well, flashing uh, stuff with Tasmodo, uh, when you're flashing firmware on a device, if you're not real current with it, and you're not doing it like once a week or twice a month, uh, it gets to be a pain in the ass. And I really did enjoy doing it with the Raspberry Pi because it's direct on the hardware, no other interfaces, all of that kind of stuff just darn worked. So I, I do plan on putting out a video on how to do this. Uh, it's I might do it in segments because it's kind of a big thing to bite off uh, going through all of the process on it. And I, I want to do like a 101 starter, like, hey, this is how you load an OS on a Raspberry Pi because we may have new a new audience and they might not be familiar with all of this stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, going by like the law of podcast, every episode, 10% of the viewers drop off, 10% of your viewership are brand new. So there's always new people. All right. So I was really interested in doing the show tonight because I want to hear tales of the Pine Book Pro. Well, I mean, they're really, I was not saying dumb. There's really not a lot to say after what I said last week. Um, It's getting easily eight hours of battery life. Now, I'm not sitting at it constantly pounding the keys for eight hours, but at work, it's literally sitting next to me. Screen's always on. It's always turned down, but the screen's always on. And when I see a new Hangout message, a new Mattermost message, a new Discord message, or a new article posted to my tiny, tiny RSS, or a new email, I go to my laptop and I do that. I don't do anything on a work computer that I don't absolutely have to do. Um, And it's easily easily eight plus hours of battery life uh it charges via USB-C, so there's nothing i have to put in my backpack just it um it's a 14 inch which i didn't notice how small my work laptop was and then in comparison how much bigger this laptop is in it so i think I, that the laptop i have at work is like 11 no and a half. Way. Uh, it, yeah it's a three thousand dollar hp elite book uh, that everyone looks at and says, how is this worth $3,000? And I just shrugged my shoulders. I don't know. That's crazy. Uh, I got a 13-inch laptop for work. And, and if I do any work stuff on it, a lot of the screens that I would normally use are too freaking small to manipulate and do my job. So I, I really have to be you know, plugged into a monitor to do something. For me, uh, I've got a 15-inch Mac. I've got a 15-inch Chromebook. I have a 14-inch Chromebook. I like the 14 because it's lightweight and to walk around the house with, it's pretty nice. Uh, 15 gets a little bit heavier. Uh, my 14, I guess I've had it for about two years, and I think the battery's getting a little soft. So it only runs a couple of hours, whereas my 15 is running pretty much all stink day long. All right, well, I'll tell you the good news is if this battery starts to die, technically, I have the 10,000 10, milliamp battery from the original Pinebook, which I believe is the same battery. Um, uh, so I'll be able to swap that out. Um, I'll also say the keyboard again, I can't make it any clearer than this. The keyboard is easily three to four times better than the pine book keyboard, uh, primarily because I remember on the original pine book, when I would type, if I would type fast once in a while, it would count as double keystrokes. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it would like skip a keystroke. That's not happening at all on the pine book pro. Uh, the touchpad is definitely a step up too. Um, and it's just the fit and finish of it is kind of silly how nice it is. Um, I will say uh, the default operating system, Open Sesame, um, it's weird because I don't find information on that operating system anywhere, but it's a basically it's a Debian-based custom tweaked for Pine boards. Um, I've only had two issues in the last week. 
one time it wouldn't come out of suspend mode because I, I do when I get up and go someplace from my desk, I do put it in suspend just because that's the quickest way for me to turn off Wi-Fi. So because there's no Wi-Fi hotkey button. Um, so like one time it wouldn't come out of suspend. And then one time um, I want to say I can't remember. Oh, I think I was loading like crazy amount of tabs and it just sat there in a, like a, and appeared to lock up and me just being impatient, just held down the power button for 10 seconds and it went. Uh, th- those are the only two like issues I'll say I had. Um, I did learn from Captain Zero that I can flash basically an operating system to it, an a-, a SD card. And if I put an SD card in at boot time, it will default boot to oh, that. Cool. So it's like I have two hard drives. So I'm going to try to do that sometime this week. I'm not sure what operating system I'm going to do it with, but since I'm doing basically a bare bones Debian on my normal boot, I'm going to try to do something different. So I guess the only thing you didn't cover is speakers. How are the speakers on that? Oh, they're definitely better is what I'll say. They're definitely not remotely close to like my $3,000 laptop from work, which have the Ofstein um, boat, uh, whatever, something bomb and Ofstein. It's, it's something like it's expensive. It's you know it's like German names or something, so it must be expensive. Um, they it, it sounds fine. It sounds fair. It's actually kind of loud. Uh, the gimmick is that they're pointing. They're on the. It's two speakers on the sides towards the front. Um, so if you, the laptop's on your lap and you're sitting incorrectly, I'll say like against your legs, you won't really hear the laptop at all. You have to just shift a little bit, and then if if there's any space between the speaker and underneath it it seems like it comes off just fine Ooh. volume um the default os i will say the only other like gripes i have is a oh yeah captain zero reminded me of this too <laughs> if you buy one and turn it on don't change your password the default password until you fix the keyboard because the keyboard came over with uh uk mapping so when I went to go type in what my normal stuff was on the screen, I saw, that's not what I'm typing. And I typed it again. I said, that's not what I'm typing. So I knew I got lucky to go change the keyboard. Oh, layout. wow. That, that's a biggie. Well, and then with that, um, setting the time was different. I'll say that. I typically just drop to a command line and type TZ data, time zone data, and I run that and it to set the time zone. I It wasn't installed. So I said, I'm not going to install too too many things if I don't have to. So you basically had to click on the clock, click on uh, edit, click on time zones, click on set time. Like it was like literally like four clicks deep to set the time. But once I set it, uh, it seems like it's now fine. It does take a second after boot and logging in for the time to adjust because by default it goes with uh, UTC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say um, I'm almost happy this laptop is not in white um, because I'm pretty sure if it was it would like pick up just fading colors quicker uh, with the black matte finish. I do think it's going to be a, a touch more durable. And the only thing that caught me off guard was I'm going to need to buy an adapter if I want to use an external video, like an external monitor, because there's no HDMI or DVI outlet. It's literally USB 3. So I have to get USB 3 to like DVI or HDMI. USB cable. 3, not USB C. Uh, I believe now that you say that out loud. It might have been USB-C. Okay, because I, I did pick up on Amazon a cable, actually, for the my 15-inch Chromebook, because it has USB-C, uh, it's like 3.1, which also has display on it. So I picked up, uh, you know, for a couple of bucks on Amazon, USB-C uh, to DVI, DVI, HDMI, and that works great. 
Gotcha, gotcha. And I do have the NVMe upgrade, but I haven't even taken the back of the laptop off yet. Uh, the, the logic is not till I'm close to buying one. Am I going to do it? And the real truth is, it's always the wrong time to buy a drive. Oh, yeah. Because if you wait a couple of weeks, it's always going to come down in price. So I'm in no real rush. It has a default 64 gig internal space. Now, if I was one of the very first backers and buyers and I was on their message board, I would have got the free upgrade to 128 gig internal drive, which I got to say would have been pretty nice. So I guess I only have one gripe left on that setup because uh, no backlit keyboard, huh? No, no. And I don't see any way to do it unless you literally become like a hacker elite and play techno music while you literally crack the case and replace every key with something. Yeah, I, I'm wondering what the magic is with backlit keyboards. Are they just crazy expensive? What, what's the deal? I don't think they're crazy expensive. I think they're crazy expensive versus the normal keyboard. I think they're both cheap. It's just one might be literally like uh, 50 to 80% more expensive. And um, it's obvious. I don't want to say it's obvious they cut corners with this device because it's obvious they didn't. But it's obvious they went with uh, normal um, the things, just higher grade quality kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, I, I, I really love that. I mean, I, I just think it's fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not ready to support it. I want to say hi to Jonas. I see him in the chat. Hey, Jonas and John and Red. Thank you guys for coming out. Um, and Anthony. Um, I'll say this also. I turned, I put up on the screen uh, a uh, white just solid white from from corner to corner, turn the brightness up all the way. I had my uh, youngest son who doesn't wear glasses, the only one in the house who doesn't wear glasses, and I uh, had him watch like a little 30-second video explaining dead pixels, and then I said, now look at this screen, tell me if you see any dead pixels. And he looked, and he looked, and he looked, and he looked, and he said he didn't see any dead pixels. So, Oh, very good. nice. Yeah, so again, I'll say it like this. Uh, I'm not ever going to buy myself like a $3,000 laptop, even if I somehow fall into money. Um, because I'm, it's the bang to buck ratio law did, um, of, of, a uh, um, diminishing returns, um, for 200 bucks. I think this is a fantastic value. No, you're not going to be, uh, you know, conquering the world on it. You're not going to be doing, uh, complex m- machine learning kind of things. And you do require a touch of patience. Nothing on the laptop is super snappy. But for 200 bucks, I still think it's fantastic. Okay. You know, I had a couple of interesting learning events this weekend. And so I, I told you I pulled the MSI Wind out. I couldn't believe how fast that booted. It runs Windows XP. That thing, with, within a very brief period of time, I, I didn't measure it, it was up and running and usable. Whereas my wife's Windows 10 laptop was so useless. I, I mean, it, it was literally, you know how I used to joke, you compile something, go get a cup of coffee, come back. It, it was literally that bad. I was shocked. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, a couple of things I don't want to spend money on anymore. And one is laptops, because other than editing video, uh, I use my Chromebook for everything, my $200 refurb Chromebook. And I... I don't know that my uh, Mac is going to give up the ghost anytime soon, but I have been kind of trolling deals on eBay for like in the $300 range, which, which are kind of tougher to get than the $600 version of, or my, my 2012 MacBook pro retina is a little tougher to snag the deal at 300 bucks as opposed to 600 bucks. Let me say that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I'll say my work laptop is the latest uh, generation i7 mobile processor with an NVMe drive from 
power to login screen is literally three and a half seconds. Um, the Pinebook Pro, I swear, is less than five seconds to getting to the login screen. Um, and then I turn on my Lenovo T430, and it's like a minute and a half. But it still works good. Yeah, but it, it I'm a little shocked at... If, if you compare the MSI Win that I have to my wife's uh, PC laptop, we're, we're talking probably a hundredfold faster CPU. And we're, you know, multi-threads, the whole shoot and match, probably four times the memory, many times the storage. We're talking, is the OS that burdensome on, on the hardware? Well, and I think it's a question of optimization, right. too. Um I do think XP was a simpler operating system is what I'll say. Um, and I do think with Windows 10, if it's optimized for the right hardware, then it's fine. But if it's not, then you're going to have issues. Yep. Yeah, and I did shoot you a link this week. It's not going to be in the notes. Uh, it's uh, People are now like screaming to Google, it is now time for you to create an actual video editor for your Chromebooks. And this past week it was announced all Chromebooks moving forward from the time of birth will have eight years of support, which I think is holy fantastic. cow! That that's phenomenal. And and because for me, a Chromebook the price point is two hundred bucks. And if I'm buying a two hundred dollar Chromebook, and let's just say I get six more years out of it, because I'm probably buying a little bit behind bleeding edge, I'm pretty happy about that. Well, and you just hit the nail on the head for me too. Um, I'll just say this: technically, I do consider Chromebooks close—the closest thing to a mini PC that people buy. Um, the reason I'm very happy with them being eight years is, like you, I'm probably never going to buy a brand new on the edge Chromebook because they cost the most money, and I want there to be $600 Chromebooks. I really do. I want there to be premium style Chromebooks, but I'm also okay with buying one refurbed like two years later or used like three years later. So then I still get five years worth of computing and upgrades and security bugs and patches and all that kind of thing. Um, so I'm really happy. Uh, to me, it's about time they did it. Um, they were teasing there for the last couple months, a couple devices they pushed up to six years uh, just because their base chipset was so popular. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've been... All right, so the only fault I have with my Chromebook is if I have too many tabs open and I'm playing video, it may, it may stutter. And if I close all of my browser windows, you know, restart Chrome, and it'll play fine. Occasionally, I have to do a reboot. But that's my only beef. I don't know if it's my specific Chromebook or if it's the entire, you know, model that has the same issue. My wife hasn't mentioned it, but she probably doesn't have the same habits I do of having, you know, a whole bunch of tabs open. Well, I'll say uh, in my experience, because I've had the original CR48 Chromebook. And after that, I think I've had six Chrome in the house. I've had about eight Chromebooks. Um, the worst thing you can do in a Chromebook is open up a YouTube tab. Nothing else would even compare to slowing down a Chromebook as much as a single YouTube tab. So if you have a single YouTube tab and then literally like six sites open, even on a higher end Chromebook, you will see things going slower. Um, and I will agree with uh, Jonas in the chat. Uh, my main thing that I do when I'm down doing actual work is it almost always involves VMs because I use VMs like a, um, a, um, a appliances. When it comes time for me to edit audio, I load up a VM because all the software inside the VM is stable, doesn't get upgraded, doesn't get updated, doesn't break. It just works. 
So on my main rigs, I need to just start out for sanity, eight gigs of RAM, but to actually be sane, I think I need 16 gigs of RAM. And I'm afraid in like three to four years, I'm going to need 32 gigs of RAM to be sane. Well, it, that was my biggest beef about upgrading to a new MacBook Pro is they didn't have 32 gigs of RAM. And I am not going to buy a new machine and pay new machine pricing for something that's 16 gigs of RAM and nearly the same processor of what I have in my 2012. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and there and there is good news because phones are now starting to ship literally with 12 gigs of RAM on them. And I'm pretty sure by July to September, you're going to be able to see phones uh, at least being sold on the internet, maybe not in a store in America with 16 gigs of RAM. Uh, it's only a matter of time. So we kind of launched with Pi. Do you want to go straight into the Pine? I'm sorry, we launched with Pine as in Pine Book. Do you want to talk about the Pine phone? Well, and yeah, I, I definitely want to mention that the that the Pine Phone Braveheart Edition started to ship. Um, I have just seen pictures of them. I really haven't seen any YouTube videos on them except from the official developers. Um, if you look at the phone, I'll say it again, it looks very passable as a brand new type phone like three years ago, maybe um, two and a half, three years ago kind of thing. Um, you can't compare the specs of that phone versus an Android phone because they're completely different operating systems with completely different needs. The Linux operating systems that's running on these Braveheart phones don't need a lot of RAM, don't need crazy processor, uh, but they need at least a little bit and they need faster storage, I think, than the normal phone, uh, where the Android phone needs RAM like aggressively and it needs GPU like obsessively. So don't compare this. This is not apples versus apples or apples versus oranges. This is literally apples versus black holes. Just completely different. So Anthony's been chatting. He, he asked one question. I answered it earlier, so he may have joined late. Uh, my Acer Chromebook does not have an HDMI port. It's got USB-C, but it's like USB 3.1, which you get a cable that goes USB-C to HDMI and it works. He mentioned, let's see, he wants to get the Pine tab, which I think is really cool. I, and he definitely has to report in and tell us how that works for him. Yeah, the, the, to be honest, the Pine Book Pro is great. Love the battery. The Pine phone, I really would like to play with and have one. The Pine Time watch, again, I think would be lots of fun to play with. But I think the, like, the Black Sheep is literally going to be the Pine tab because I mean, the Linux nerds have been asking now for like seven years, when can I get a genuine tablet that runs L Linux? And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's $100 or it might have been $110 for the tablet and the um, and the um, keyboard. So is the Pine Watch shipping right now or? Uh, the developer edition of the Pine Time is shipping. It was 25 bucks. I've seen two people who got them. Uh, one of the guys said he didn't have a lot of time to really play with it, but it definitely was up and running. And when he got it, it was fully charged. And I'll say this, my uh, Pine uh, Book Pro came from Hong Kong. I plugged it in. It said it was already fully charged as well. So they're doing that right too. So that just shows you how quick these things are being shipped out. Yeah, I I want to get a Pine. Uh, you know, look, the, the Pine time is just so crazy cheap. Are, are the production models going to be 25 bucks? I thought they said yes. I thought the Pine phone after launch was going to be one fifty, 
the pine time i want to say was 20 or 25 and then post launch i want to say 25 or 30 no more and then the pine tab we don't know when i'm going to guess by march we're going to hear stuff and don't forget people again this is another friendly message brought to you by captain zero because he's the only one who seems to remember this kind of thing uh we are right now at uh january 22nd the chinese new year is coming um so everything's going to be shut down for over a week uh they also they have a uh pandemic like flu outbreak kind of thing where it's going kind of crazy and their stock market took a big hit so don't expect things to come from china in a timely fashion for the next 10 weeks maybe crikey i i didn't even think about that stuff yeah well and uh anthony saying yeah he got february from the blog for the pine tab and i really hope he's right um because that's the one device where i can see being multifunctional and what i mean is literally carrying it around like a laptop and then when you're not using it you could literally hang it on your wall use it as a family display message board um um a notification device or even an interface to my uh 3d printer <laughs> Yeah, now I definitely have more than a couple links in the notes, and I'm not going to lie, Rich, I was really hoping you were going to take the time to scour through the notes, and I was really hoping that line number 1155 was going to catch your eye, because I don't know what the hell to think of this thing, except this sounds cool, fancy, and complicated. Um, This is a new website slash service that they're calling Focal but the O has a line going through it. So it, of course, immediately confuses me. And uh, over at Linux Gizmos, it says, um, cloud-based test farms let you check out Edge AI software on Linux dev boards. Focal is profiling an automated test farm platform based on Docker and LTTing for testing Linux Edge AI software on BeagleBone, Raspberry Pi, Jetson, UpSquared, and Google Coral. This to me sounds oh, really cool. Oh, damn. Damn. So I don't have to pay the 75 bucks for Coral. I could just try it out on their site or, or I could run it. That's cool because so I could do machine learning stuff on the Coral, on the Jetson Nano, whatever, try it out before I actually buy one. That is very cool. Well, you know, I kind of ask everybody on every show to check out the notes before we start the show because of this kind of reason alone. Um, because this, to me, is the kind of thing, I don't want to say it's exciting, but I, it, it really is, I think, uh, something we've never seen before kind of thing. And yeah, so literally, if you don't have access to one of these boards, you could literally take a job saying you're going to develop X for this board you can do research you can start all your coding wait and then you can use this as a platform for at least some testing before you're you know get your hands on one of the boards um this is the kind of thing i think more developers need to have access to because they need to know what's possible not just you know here's a hundred bucks and now give me a board okay so i clicked through onto the focal site and a little window popped up early access get in early access customer code will let you start using focal for free and there's an apply button. Yeah, I mean, this is literally like, I, I want to say this article came out less than five or six days ago, and they were basically got like early notification to it. Yeah, this came out about six days ago, um, and they had like early access is what I'm going to say. Um, this is, I mean, I really don't want to be like a Bill Nye and say it's going to change the world. 
But I will say this is the kind of thing which is lowering the barrier of entry to everything. And if there's two consistents in this universe is one change is always coming. Fight it. You'll be miserable. Two, the barrier of entry of everything just keeps plummeting lower and lower. And when you think things can't get any easier and simpler and more accessible to more people in the world, just wait five seconds and it does get lower. This is very cool. And yeah, Dor, thanks for shaming me. I do that to everyone. Don't worry, Rich. It's how I show love. I wasn't taught how to do it correctly as a youngster. Oh, that, that is definitely on my follow-up list. Very cool. Okay. Um, another thing I just wanted to mention, only because I'm, I'm literally like a fan of the company is what I want to say. And this one is 1158, row 1158, and I really got to increase the size of the font or I got to get better glasses because I, I, I can't see it anymore from where I sit. Um, this one is from at least my old buddies is what I'll say over at Solid Run. Uh, Solid Run was the company, the Israel-based company, that made a, I want to say it was 20 centimeter by 20 centimeter by 20 centimeter mini cube computer. It was like maybe the width of two HDMI ports. It was so tiny, small, and all the cords you plugged into it were so heavy, the cube would never sit straight. It always fell backwards, but you know, whatever. Um, Solid Run has had good um success is what i'm gonna say they're not your normal mini computing company they focus a little differently um the example i use is their mini cube computer ran kde as the desktop and it ran better than kde has ran on most of my full desktop computers and laptop computers um but this one isn't again we're going with the edge and ai if you haven't noticed, people, that's where all the money's going. That's where all the development's going. That's where all everything's going. Edge AI server packs a 16-core Cortex A72 CPU. Huh, that's fine. Okay, 16-core, you're bragging about that, but then you go on. Plus up to 32i MX8M system on a chips and 128 neural processing units. So this seems like it's geared towards video processing, ML, uh, you know, object, person detection, facial recognition, those kinds of things. Well, I'll, I'll say I don't know if it's that per se. I'll say it's just meant for that kind of intelligence. The logic is if, if we're going to go with the facial recognition thing, you have cameras all over your house that are literally dumb IP cameras with no intelligence in them whatsoever. And you have everything piping back to this one unit, having this one unit doing all of your facial recognition. But I will say, um, looking at least the history of the NPUs, which of course is not long, um, they basically accept any kind of Python code, any kind of machine learning code. You can literally just set them off on their own to do tasks, whether it's just compute, you know, what does a dog look like or compute how to uh, have an actual answer to a question kind of thing. Uh, it seemed like a pretty versatile um, platform is what I'm going to say. Um, and I'll say this, if you take a look at it, Solid Run, I think, makes decent looking hardware, uh, not just powerful hardware, but actually something where if you look at it, you think, yeah, that looks pretty good. All right, so the only thing I can't find, I know it, I can't afford it. Let, let me just tell you that because, one, there's no price on it, and I think there's somewhere I'll find a contact us for pricing. Yeah, I didn't see a price for that one. If you scroll down right next to the picture of the motherboard, it does say that there is another board um, that starts at $550 with it has, um, 
I want to say it was like a, a, a quarter as many of the processing. 16 units core. Um, I mean, that's still respectable. 16 core and where does it say NPU? I'm not sure. But, you know, this is the kind of company, if you're looking at buying one of their products, you typically aren't looking at the price tag. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I'm going to get NPUs for free. I don't have to buy this. Well, I'm going to guess using the other service, you're going to either be heavily throttled um, or you're going to pay enough to where in a couple months you'll probably be able to buy your own. Right. One of those boards. Um, and then I'll say this. We have the uh, elephant in the room, if you will, line um, 1149 is what I'm going to say, Rich. The one I just moved up in the rankings is what I'm going to say, 1149. Um, next cloud is, I don't want to say they're pivoting. I will say they're um, refocusing is what I'm going to say um, because nothing, from what I can tell, nothing has changed with NextCloud. So people running NextCloud don't have to worry. People who are looking at NextCloud thinking they know what it is don't have to worry. They're basically refocusing their marketing is what I'm going to say. Yeah, and it's uh, NextCloud is being rebranded to NextCloud Hub and NextCloud Hub is being marketed to com- to directly compete with Google Docs and Office 365, which is kind of like, um, you know, a small island nation off of India saying that they're going to declare war against the United States and Russia and China. All right. So I'm looking at their download. Um, and the download says next cloud. It doesn't say next cloud hub. Yeah, I told you it's it's the exact same product. It's just instead of called Nextcloud, they're rebranding the public facing one in version eighteen to be called Nextcloud Hub. So if you're running Nextcloud, there's no difference. You just wait for your up, update, and then you're going to be running Nextcloud Hub. Ooh. And like one of their biggest selling features is not only will you get the uh, private secure chat with the people on your server, not only will you get the video chat conferencing on your own server, but you will also get real-time rich text collaboration. Now, by default, it doesn't look like you're going to get um, uh, Excel spreadsheet type or Microsoft Word level of document richness in your documents, but it's, de- it's definitely more rich than just Notepad. Um, and you get collaboration to where multiple people can be editing the file at the same time. Um, I do think NextCloud is on the right um, trajectory to be competitive. I don't know if it's starting, you know, January 22nd of 2020 is when they start to become competitive, but I think they're on the right path. Okie doke. So it looks like they've got a whole bunch of ARM32, ARM64. Okay, yeah. So it said ARM32 v6, ARM32 v7, ARM64 v8. So, yes, as a, along with whatever Intel, so AMD 64, etc., i386. Oh, PowerPC 64, that's funny. Yeah, and I don't really understand what Flow is, but Flow sounds like a task scheduling system, like an event scheduling system where you can set reminders or workflows to repeat I, I i don't know but that one is the one that i thought at least sounded interesting uh, i will admit i'm still using my work calendar for work and google calendar stuff for my own personal stuff but i really barely scratched the surface on my calendar um 
I keep telling myself I'm going to install Pathman on my next cloud server to do my password management. I haven't gotten around to that, and I'm going to blame it on not having Speaking time. Speaking of password uh, management, do you know who was down today? They were down yesterday for almost four hours, but they were only down for people who have had accounts since 2014. So last pass. Last pass. Yeah, they were down yesterday, but if your account was newer than 2014, you experienced no downtime, which I've never heard of such a thing. But apparently people pre-2014 were isolated, segregated some way that they literally saw an outage. And the two people I know who swore they had accounts before 2019, uh, uh, 2014, swore that they did not experience any downtime, which I just think that they were lucky. Uh, and I'll say, don't, please don't send me an email and tell me why I should switch to Bitwarden. Okay, no, not a chance in hell I'm switching to Bitwarden. And people say, but it's open source. And I say, it's not the end all be all to be open source. An example I use is natural. Just because something's natural doesn't mean you should eat it. You know what else is natural? Lead. Do you want me to sprinkle some lead on your salad? I don't think so. Unless, of course, you already have brain damage. Just being open source does not mean it's good enough in 2020. For instance, Bitwarden uses your clipboard to put everything into uh, your password fields. That sure in the hell is not safe and secure. And that's why I'm still using LastPasses because it does not use your clipboard. So please do not tell me, email me why I should go to Bitwarden. Please do your own research and find out how it's really not secure. Just because it has open source on its homepage doesn't mean it's good enough for me. Okay, I, I think we have to announce we have two Hawaiians uh, live on our, our video on YouTube. I see one. Yeah, well, John apparently, John Bertram is apparently from Hawaii also. Oh, there he is. Good man, John. How you doing? Um, and I'll say this. Um, I, I have a dream. You oh, have man. a dream? Not like that kind of a dream. Not like you know, that kind Monday of dream. was, right? Um, yes, I know. And that's why it's really important for me to say it like that. But, but I, I'm an idiot. Okay, look. Like six years ago, I remember saying on Linux for, for the rest of us, there's this project called Freedom Box. And what Freedom Box is going to enable us to do is to pull all of our data, pull all of our information, pull all of our private data onto a place that's easily manageable and self-hostable. Um, and it hasn't. Nextcloud has a better opportunity to become that ecosystem for like me to host for my family and my inner circle of friends and allow them to literally own their own stuff uh, and we can do uh, uh, federate and back up on other people's servers, all that kind of thing. So I really hope Nextcloud keeps on moving on the right path. You know, I, I'm going to kind of change uh, topics here. Let's see. It's 1151 new life or death sensor tech goes into homes. I read this article and then uh, like a day later, I got an email from a friend saying that, you know, they lost an aunt. And they don't know how long she was expired because she lived alone. Yeah, and I'll put it like this. Um, this was an article I believe I immediately shared with um, you and a couple people. And it's because, like, um, you know, we used to have people who were going to tell us that, you know, the government's going to barcode you. They're going to chip you. They're going to put a chip in your hand and follow you. Well, this is 2020. They didn't have to do that. All they had to do was to give us a sexy little rectangle of glass and we freely carry it around everywhere we go. So they have nowhere we're at already and everything. They don't need to chip us. Um, and what this guy said, uh, uh, who was at this conference from, I can't remember the name of the company, but it was a big one, um, um, said, look, the technology we're making, we're going to make in such a way you have to have it. 
Because quite literally, what's more important, your health and your life and your friend's health and your friend's life or not having this software? What's more important to you, your personal privacy against everything or utter safety and security when it comes to your health? And it's like, when you actually read this whole article, it's really hard to argue. And the logic is, what if I'm home alone and I fall? Literally hit my head so hard, I literally pass out and I start to bleed out. Okay. If you have proper sensors in the house that he says can keep all of the data inside the house, make it all yours, keep it all private, but it can notice when an anonymously like that happens. It can then pipe over the inner speakers in the house door. Are you okay door? And when I don't say anything door, are you okay? And then when I don't say anything automatically call up an ambulance, the fire department or whatever to come to the house, that kind of technology, it's almost hard to, fight against until you get to the point, well, who else is going to have access to that data? Well, ultimately, the government could. So I did one of the more less intelligent things I've done in a very long time. I went up the pull-down attic stairs in flip-flops. And it's okay on the way up. On the way down, it's not good. And I was home alone, and I ended up upside down, smashing my head on the concrete with my legs through a a different slot in the ladder but you know i i tucked my chin in so i didn't hit hard i just but it was enough like you jackass don't ever do that again yeah i mean now the logically here's the thing if this is a chinese-based company if they go into china and put this into people's houses a they literally could make it so valuable because there are so many senior citizens over in china it's insane they can make it so valuable like that, that who in their right mind would say no to this, okay? Then because China, China could then say, give me access to all that information. But here's the real thing. What would the government really get from 99.9999999% of all the installs? Nothing. Only that one little percent where they get anything, where they find out someone is a literal um, 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 looking to defect and, you know, coming against the government. I would hope that when this kind of system could surface in other places, whether it's Sweden, Finland, UK, France, America, Canada, that there would be a little bit more focus on actually maintaining the data yourself and keeping certain people away from it. Um, I love the idea of having a system in my house looking out for me, but the old adage is what the kids in the city would say to the cops, you were put here to protect us, but who protects us from you? I, I would I, I love the idea of a system in my house helping protect me, but who's going to protect me from it? Yep. So yeah, I cannot find at least immediately available the name of the company, but I know it was a company I never heard of. And when I went and looked at them up, they were actually really, really successful. Uh, and then I'm going to have to talk about 1152 just to um, practice my nerdness because when I saw this thing, like you know, my like nerd twitch went off. Uh, this is at CNX software. This is the kind of link I want to make sure I go and I put into the chat so they can look at it. Uh, MNT reform to open source DYI arm Linux modular laptop coming soon. Crowdfunding just rolls off the tongue. Doesn't it? Okay. Just scroll down and then you scroll down a little bit more. And then you see this laptop that literally looks like it's something from 1996. It's like an inch and a half thick. And listen, if you're buying a Linux ARM modular laptop, you cannot expect it to be sexy. You know, I'll, unless you're into that kind of thing. I'll tell you what I liked about it. 
is it's got eight batteries. I guess they're what is it? The what, what is the standard battery that's in the Tesla? Uh, eighteen six fifty. So it looks like eight eighteen six fifties in which is still I think smaller than your average laptop battery. I want to say they're like eight and twelve cells, maybe. Wait, I'll, I'll tell you what I love about that is everything you get now the battery's built into it and it's you know a whole foobar situation to change out a battery the, this looks like it's not glued in i don't think it has welded tabs it, it seriously looks like a bunch of double a batteries in a carrier well because that's almost what it is um i will not i'm really not going to try to sound ridiculous with this but i have been waiting for a true modular laptop since 90 four or something i mean i don't understand why in the hell we're still waiting on this i want to be able because here's the whole logic i love the idea and without sounding dumb man sustainability if i can buy one housing and then in a year upgrade one part and then two years upgrade another part and then four years upgrade another part i don't have to keep buying entire units again okay i love the idea and um especially arm based because without sounding dumb the arm based stuff is only going to grow exponentially faster where the intel stuff it's basically leaked i don't know if you're aware of this but the next uh 11 years worth of development for intel all the documents got leaked we know exactly what their path is what their plan is what they are going to have um i still think arm is going to do more than intel in in that same time period yeah, I like to look at this, even though it's gigantic. I like it, not quite for me, but I, I do like it. I, I think this, it, and this is one of these things where I hope there's competition to, you know, breed a better product. And see, I don't know about you, Rich. I've never seen any piece of hardware in my life with as many bullet points as this thing. I mean, typically you go and look at a piece of hardware and it might have 12 bullet points, you know, processor, RAM, display resolution frequency ports you know io battery life this thing has what looks like a hundred and like 20 different bullet points kind of thing because that's how much fine grain detail they explain because for the, the longest time when you went to buy a computer or a laptop you really never knew what the bus speed was for instance unless you literally researched what was the motherboard and then go found out yourself these kind of little okay wait details. wait wait i so, i got a hit on this one here so it says expansion slots m2 so yeah nvme ssd right mpcie slot for a wi-fi card an embedded graphics card fpg board etc i'm like well cool yeah fpga kind of thing and the um yeah, the PCI one, that's like, isn't that the old school, uh, like, credit card slot in laptops? I think so. I thought it was MCPIE. Yeah, I believe but, you're um, right. Yeah, um, um, uh, it was, we, we called it something express. Yeah. Right. Very cool. So, I mean, this is the kind of thing where I honestly, I think, you know, there's no way I'm getting one. There's no way you're getting one. We're not going to know anybody who's going to get one. But just the fact that it's available, I like the idea. And we still have like 60 links, seems like. Um, we got a new Intel Phantom Canyon NUX coming. Uh, if you like the idea of having like uh, smaller form factor computers and you want to do at least some light to moderate gaming, line uh, 1152 in the notes. Uh, this is the gaming NUC that they came out with. I want to say last year, maybe a year and a half ago, where they just did like a big update to it where it's running a Tiger Lake CPU 
and a XE GPU, which I don't even know what the hell that is, but I'm thinking that's like the predecessor to the dedicated Intel discrete graphics card. Um, this might be like their beta version. Of okay, it. can I ask, in the links you have Nook 10, Nook 11, where did the Nook 9 go? Is there a Nook 9? Maybe 9 was a unlucky uh, number, I don't know. I think I got a Nook 6, and the Nook 7s came out, Nook 8s, and uh, I'm a little shocked. Well, I think they actually now maintain three, if not four, versions of the Nooks, and they just keep revving. They they rev one um, until it's, like, dead, and it takes, like, three years for it to rev and die kind of thing, I think. So, um, like, this Phantom is in, I think, the second or third rev. Okay, so I have a Nook 6. I'm looking on Amazon right now. I see Nook 8s and Nook 7s. Actually, in Nook 6s. But I, I don't see a Nook 9. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, also, I'll say, I've been looking and I haven't heard anything on the Lenovo single board computer, which I expect to hear really soon. Um, but here's one, Rich. This, to me, is when we're literally talking sci-fi future tech 1162. Okay, now, we're going to take a small little mini tangent, and it's the world of conspiracy theories. Okay, long story short. There's been conspiracy theories now for a long time that say we don't need nuclear, we don't need wind, we don't need coal, we don't need any of these kind of powers because we can pull all the power we want out of thin air, okay? The long and the short of it is, yes, there's basically radiation, there's radio waves through the air that if you put the right thing together, you will get energy out of it, but you'll get so little energy out of it. They basically, there's nothing you can do. I need a crystal radio kit and hand it to my daughter and freak her out. Yeah, exactly. Right. They would literally think it's voodoo kind of thing. Um, But here's the dirty secret. One more thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you. She, when she heard about TV antennas, she's like, is that legal? You don't have to pay for TV service? Yeah. I hate to say I understand, but yeah, it, it is completely foreign to them. But yeah, like the truth is, I mean, if you take a look at the computer chip history evolution, okay, everything is becoming unbelievably smaller. Everything is giving off tons less heat. Everything is becoming much more efficient efficient with energy as well electricity okay so here is the next stage of development okay onion zero which i do believe o-n-i-o i believe it was of somebody we saw on kickstarter like a year ago offering a small modular computer which could do a whole bunch of different stuff a whole bunch of different components for different functionality well o-n-i-o dot zero offers a risk v microcontroller that runs without a battery it basically doesn't run off of anything if I read this right. You literally just set the chip down and out of thin air, the chip basically can do enough work to do stuff. I'm sure it, you know, even to compute your like checkbook, it would take a month, but at least it can do something. Yeah. I'm just going to say that's what I, how I read it. I could be completely wrong, but. This is like to me really interesting, and this is where the conspiracy theorists will say, "See, I told you, we don't need nuclear power." Well, I, I understand the whole, you know, sucking power off of RF because it takes power to make the RF, whether it's Wi-Fi, whatever it may be. But the question is, what do you do with it when you got it? Does it have enough power to communicate on Wi-Fi or not? Which it probably does not. 
No, I would guess literally after sitting there for two hours, it might be able to give you a blip, like 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 two bits worth of data over Wi-Fi kind of thing, because it literally is that hard to pull energy out of quote unquote thin air. But you know, this is the kind of thing where why not have a device unplugged, just sitting back in an emergency type situation that when it gets triggered can save up, you know, two months worth of energy and then shoot out a okay, response. So it says key specifications. I'm looking at the product page from their website. Uh, Crystalis BTLE transmitter programmable output power to minus 40 to zero dB, blah, three and a half to 10 gigahertz, optional 433 megahertz. Pretty cool. Yeah. And, and this is going to be one of those extremely insanely hyper-focused things. It will only be able to do a very small set number of things, but just the fact that it's possible, it, it, this is the kind of thing, literally, I hate to say this, in like five to 20 years is where we're going to see significant advancement in this kind of thing. It's not going to be in a year or two. Um, I, I just thought it was interesting and thought I'd bring it because it's technically a mini computer. Well, you know, that that's kind of interesting because one of the things I've been wanting to do is, uh, what is it, Dell Semiconductor, which is now microchip, I guess. They have the 1821, which is a one-wire temperature sensor. And I'm like, oh, i got to run wires, even though it's, well, they say one wire, it's two wires. There's uh, power in the ground, basically. Like, well... If you had this, all you would have to do is sprinkle the chips wherever you want to monitor temperature. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I'm pretty sure we, you, we, we've heard in the past of ECS, Rich. Um, I believe they were like a hardware uh, motherboard manufacturer, I believe. Line uh, 1162 in the notes. Nope, sorry. 1159 in the notes. Uh, ESC unveils Leva Q1 palm-sized PC with dual display or Ethernet ports. So it's literally like half of half. It's like a quarter of the size of an Intel NUC, maybe just a touch bigger than a quarter. So it's literally a palm-top computer with dual video output. And it says it comes in the uh, a, um, a, um, a Apollo Lake Celeron N3500, Celeron 3450, or a Pentium N4 200 which is none of it is high end not supposed to be high end just so it's supposed to work and it has up to four gig of ram up to 64 gig of emmc this literally could be the small office computer super small form factor especially if it's affordable where you could literally give it to someone and not worry about it literally failing it probably would cost more to insure it than to just go buy a brand new one yeah, i'm looking for a price i don't see a price uh, but but that's definitely kind of a niche market, and it could be really good. I mean, this is like the original Upboard, because uh, I'm pretty sure that's the same processor, the Pentium N4200 that I had on the original Upboard. Definitely sounds right. Uh, it says it is 2.9 inch by 2.9 inch by 1.4 inch, which is really tiny. Uh, it does say that they um, previously announced Leva Z3 Plus and Leva Z3 E Plus with 10 with 10th generation Intel Core Comet Lake chips. Um, so they're definitely putting out more than just a couple of these mini computers, which I think is cool. The more, the merrier. 
So I clicked through to their website. I'm not sure what it is. It says motherboard, notebook, tablet, system, IPC, IoT. Oh, I can hover over it. Here it is. It's it, under system. I would guess system. All right. So they're not giving you a price yet. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't shock me if it's going to take uh, weeks, if not longer, for them to get everything like hammered out is what I'm going to say. Um, this one I'm going to bring up, even though I don't really like what Microsoft is doing, but I will say Microsoft announced in partnership with, I want to say it was HP at CES, a ARM laptop that had a 24-hour battery. Okay, here's another one. Um, Microsoft introduces two new ARM-powered 4G-enabled laptops for education starting at $299, okay? Wow. Um, Which yeah. means in a year it'll be 200 bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you remember, Rich, we all remember the complete debacle of Windows RT, which was their ARM-based Windows 8, maybe, devices, where nothing ran on it. Uh, you had to only install from the Windows Store, and you only had a subset of things you could put on it. And, like, really quickly, when they came out and being sold, they died, like, incredibly quickly. When I hear RT, I think Russia today. What are we talking about? I don't know why it was called RT, but... Real-time, but... Um, I, I can't remember, but I know it was ARM-based. And here's the thing. I believe now what they're doing is because literally two years, ARM processors have gotten probably like four times more powerful kind of thing um, with the high-end stuff like the uh, um, Qualcomm and stuff chips. And RAM has shot down in price so much more. What I believe now they're doing on ARM boards, Microsoft, I believe they're literally emulating everything that's not ARM. So you will be able to run, in air quotes, everything you can normally run on your normal computer on a Microsoft ARM computer. It just might be a touch slower. Well, you know, slower. So, you know, I like the fact that we have companies pushing Microsoft in so many directions. They're offering, you know, high-end Surface Pro devices, which are genuinely high-end, and then they're also going to be offering these low-end ARM-based education laptops for 299 bucks. That's good. So also along with that, uh, you know, Apple's including ARM processors in their newer machines. So we may see an ARM future. That's very interesting. Well, and, you know, Intel will still be around. The only question will be is where will Intel get most of its, uh, you know, profit from? Um, and, and that's where I have no idea. All right, Rich, uh, I think we've been going for more than an hour. I got to uh, get this thing wrapped up and get ready for four hours of training tomorrow. I think you're muted. I clicked in the wrong place. Uh, I was going to say one more link, the, but we could always save it for next week. Yeah, no, go ahead. So I'm not sure what line it is. I know I saw it on CNX software. It was the $35 router. We were talking about that, I think, yesterday. So there's... 1161. Uh-huh. Well, and here's like, oh, man, I hate to say it like this. There's a reason why this router is 35 bucks. okay? Uh, Show Me Redmi is a well-known, popular brand of phone uh, over there in uh, Asia. Uh, really competent, really well-known. This is a AC2100 uh, router. sells for $35 and up. So they have multiple different versions of it the lowest one is 35 bucks um and here's i think part of the reason now economist futurist people involved with the business of computing is saying we are now starting to begin the experience of the death of wi-fi 
They say in three to five years, there will be no such thing as Wi-Fi. Nobody will have a Wi-Fi router and no place will offer Wi-Fi and no device uh, being sold will have a Wi-Fi chip we're all on it. Be 5G. Because we're all going to be, well, there, China is already having multiple conferences and meetings on 6G. So, you know, why wait? I don't know who's right. I will say this. I think prime time to buy a Wi-Fi router will be in 2020 sometime. So uh, I encourage everyone to keep your eyes open for affordable routers with multiple antennas with, um, uh, you know, multiple band support is the logic, especially if it's MIMO. I think it is uh, where it's the multiple in, multiple out kind of thing. Um, and of course, uh, the dual band is is good as well, 2.4 and 5. So if you're close, everything will go super fast. And if you're not close, you'll at least get connectivity. Uh, but this is a $35 router, which I'm sure last year would have been $85. And then as you step up in range, I think the prices go all the way up to, I want to say it was $90, which still was a very fair price as far as I was concerned. And I, I clicked through to the link. So the one important thing is it runs OpenWRT. And for those of you that are not familiar with it, um, I have an Asus router that's a real decent Asus router, which is based on, I think it's DDWRT. OpenRT and DDWRT are forks, and it's a really good router operating system. Oh, yeah. Um, Open Gargle, Open Wart. Uh, there's like three or four of them that are just unbelievably solid, as one would say. And they're the ones that first were enabling you to do very much enterprise-like stuff on your home network, like QoS. Uh, like saying, my child's tablet at most will get 20% of the bandwidth. Let's leave some for dad kind of thing. Um, and yeah, right now it looks like you can go to AliExpress and it looks like you can buy uh, one of these things, which I will say again, um, it's just like anything else. If you're shopping on eBay, if you're shopping on AliExpress, if you're slopping on Swappa, or you're shopping on Amazon and it's not been coming from, from Amazon, review the person you're buying it from. Look at how many sales they have. Look at their reviews before pulling the trigger kind of thing. Um, even though I'm sure this is going to be a per perfectly safe sale, you got to do your due diligence and at least look at it. And I will say this guy, Jean-Luc Franck, whatever, uh, I, the, he is the reason why I miss Google Plus because he was on Google Plus and this guy would literally post like 40 things a day and some of them were fantastic. Yeah, I realize I today I had, oh, I wish I could post it. Oh, yeah, there's no Google Plus that allows me to, you know, post a link, have an image and, you know, to talk about it and get other people's feedback. Uh, yeah, I do miss Google Plus. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I kind of miss the uh, people on Google+. Mm -hmm. Plus. I don't mind, you know, saying that out loud. Okay, Rich, uh, what's the easiest way for people to uh, catch up? With uh, flyingrich.com or just flyingrich, no space on YouTube. You can see my tech videos out there, and uh, there's always a contact page on uh, flyingrich.com. Very cool, very cool. Uh, I want to thank everyone again for coming out live. I want to thank uh, Jonas, John, Red, Anthony, another John Miller, John B and John Miller. Thank you guys much for coming out. Uh, Jonas, you're the man. I miss hanging with you, man. Um, last Friday, I was under obligations kind of thing. Got to keep people happy. Um, but do not forget, if you want to keep me happy uh, and you want this show completely ad-free, unlike, you know, all the ads you had to sit through on, on, on this show, if they made you sick to your stomach, 
you too can go to patreon.com slash the mini PC show, become a active Patreon supporter, and you don't have to worry about all the ads. Um, all the links will be in the notes, whether you want to join us on Discord, Twitter, Facebook, Mattermost, uh, or anyplace else. If you follow us on YouTube, uh, you can then subscribe, uh, hit the like button, hit the bell button, hit all those buttons, 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 and then you can know when we go live. Or you can literally just say, hey, door, hit me up when you go live. I don't mind it. Um, with that, uh, do not forget, if you want to come around to a place where we have big talk about little machines, it's a mini PC show. Hopefully we'll talk to everyone again in about a week. Hi, this is Matt from the MRP Tech Podcast. I would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show, the MRP Tech Podcast, on the Podnuts Network. The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology related. You can find us on iTunes and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen and let us know what you think.